Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. You better you bet. We'll give you an edge to beat the spread and so much more. What do we call that? Wagertainment. It's You Better You Bet from BetQL. PJ Glasser, Mark Drumheller here with you. Hour number three. You Better You Bet presented by BetMGM. We're with you until 7 o'clock Eastern time. We're with you on stadium for the next hour up until six o'clock Eastern time. So go over to watchstadium.com. You can check us out there. We are also still on Sirius Channel 160, Sirius XM 205, twitch.tv slash BeckQL, and YouTube backslash Odyssey Sports. Mark, before the break uh, last hour, we were diving into some college hoops. We were talking about some of the blue bloods, North Carolina. Duke, Kentucky. We both agree Kentucky's a fun watch, but they don't play any defense. Duke and Carolina, though, certainly in intriguing teams, teams that can make deep postseason runs between the two. If you had to choose one that you like moving forward, would you take Duke or would you take UNC? I would take UNC. I mean, I, you know, we touched on a little bit before the end of the break. I just think they're built more to win in March. Um, I like how they've been playing defensively, even though they eased up a little bit. And, you know, it's just some of the things they've done during the season to kind of help them be successful. It just seems like a different vibe. Last year, a little bit concerning, but I like the Tar Heels. Um, you know, one of the questions I had for you, PJ, is when we start diving into March, we're always looking for these teams like, at, you know, to just kind of like slide in, you know, they get through the bubble and then they're able to make an impact in there. Is there any teams out there that you're looking at like that? Like, I think like Washington State is a tremendous story, you know, what they've done there. Um, you know, any team that we think that might be able to slide in and make some noise. Yeah, I mean, you know, there are a couple different ones. I think when we were talking with Kevin Sweeney, uh, one of the teams I would look at is New Mexico out of the Mountain West. Like, if mm -hmm. they get in, they're kind of, the way they're rated, they remind me a lot of Florida Atlantic from last year. Just a really solid team, man, with, you know, they did great stuff in the transfer portal. Uh, they got so many guards. They're really athletic. Mm -hmm. And if they can just figure out how to have their game travel from where they, when they play at the pit, Outside of that, on neutral courts, uh, they could be really dangerous. So New Mexico is a team. I, I like Florida out of the SEC. You know, Todd Golden went into the transfer portal in year two, got a bunch of guys. Um, and you just like there are certain games where you really see the potential with Florida, and they can beat anybody. Mm -hmm. And then there are other games where they really don't play well. But I think Florida is an interesting team. Um, 
Memphis, I mean, what's going on with Memphis, Mark? Like early on in the season, you know, they were stacking up a really good non-conference resume. Then they get into conference play and they really hit a stride. Now they're starting to stack wins again. But Penny's got a veteran team with some good experienced guards. He's got Quinterly and David Jones. And, you know, they got talent. Um, they're a team that if they get in and maybe they, you know, kind of went through what UConn did last year where they had a really strong start, went through a little bit of a lull through the middle and then kind of picked it up towards the end. Now, I don't think they're going to win the title and I don't think they're as good as that mm -hmm. UConn team was, but you know, that's what happens sometimes is these teams go through little spells team that I was really high on at the beginning of the season that, uh, you know, is kind of on the bubble right now is Texas A&M. They had the preseason mm -hmm. SEC Player of the Year in Wade Taylor. They returned four of their five starters. Haven't been as good as I thought they would be this season. But, you know, those kind of teams that early on in the year had expectations kind of just go through the motions a little bit and then get hot in February and March. Those sometimes could be teams that uh, you want to kind of buy into. So, We'll see. I mean, those those are certainly the teams that I would look at. A&M, Mexico um, are the teams right now that are on the bubble that I do think if they get in could potentially be dangerous, especially early on in the tournament for some of those number one seeds. So we'll see. Is there anybody that you had in mind? You said Washington State interests you. Well, I just think they're a good story, and I think if they can slide in, I, I think they could be a lot of fun. But I like to target those teams. As we get closer to March, you know, we'll, we'll have a better kind of handle on that that stuff and what to look at. And again, you know, like seeding's going to matter, and, you know, we'll, we'll tear that apart. I think San Diego State's always a team that you kind of, you know, has, is built where they can win in March if they get the right matchups, right? You know, solid defensively, can beat you inside, do all the, you know, discipline things that you want to see, right? They don't turn the ball over a ton. You know what you're going to get with the Aztecs. Um, so that's a team that you can kind of lean on in the right situation. Um, so I, I think it's going to be interesting to kind of watch it unfold over this next month before we gear up for the big dance. To me, Mark, if there's one futures bet you got to make, it's Michigan State at 40 to 1, man. Like, I just mm -hmm. think it's a great price. You this know what I mean? That's it. It's, I, I agree with you. I agree. And they're a team that I think is going to get in the dance. And, like, look, I mean, it's it's Izzo in March. It's cliche. And there's been a stretch here for a little bit where he kind of has struggled. But last year, they were able to make the Sweet 16. They beat a really good Marquette team. And he's got a veteran team, man. And they were... They weren't great to start the season. They had to go through some growing pains a little bit. They played some some good teams, but uh, that's a team that if they're a seven seed, six seed, you do not want to see them. So Michigan State is uh, a team that I certainly have my eye on right now at 40 to 1 because every other team at this point, I mean, the markets are pretty sharp that you know, they're they're kind of caught up to the numbers. Maybe Marquette at 25 to 1 could be another team. That mm -hmm. was a team that preseason was rated really high. They've won seven in a row. They're starting to find their groove a little bit. Duke and at 30 to 1 could be a really a good price. Success too. In the tournament, and I think that helps out. You know what I mean? Like we saw Marquette get some success in the tournament. And I think that that could really, you know, do wonders for them as far as making the next step. So I, I think that's definitely a team you can get your eye on. You brought up Memphis. Now did Memphis get knocked out by FAU? Am I remembering that correctly last year? That is yep. correct. Yep. And that, that was the game where it was like, 
everybody was kind of fascinated because I felt like going into the tournament, everybody had those two teams pegged as teams that could really kind of like go far and get some momentum depending on who got out of it. And it was like a crazy ending too, I believe too. Like Memphis, you know, should have had it and let it go. But uh, that was a fun one. I think Memphis definitely a team to keep an eye on. What's funny, Mark, is a lot of people strike me as the kind of guy that fills out like 25 different brackets. I actually only fill out one just because I get it for like, I get it for like fantasy football, right? You want to have a bunch of different teams. So like, sure, at the end of the year, you can get yourself into as many like championship games as you want. But for March Madness, like I want to root for one result in one game. I don't yep. want to have all these different things and be like, oh, I need Tennessee in this bracket, but oh, I need North Carolina in this bracket. I just want to have one of everything. But it's funny because last year I was so conflicted on that FAU Memphis game. And I really thought the winner of that game would go to the final four that I fill out two different brackets with both of those teams making it. So uh, my FAU bracket, I did very well, but that game was one point. It came right down the wire. FAU had a shot at the end. Memphis should have won it. They gave it away. But uh, yeah, that, that game lived up to the hype. It came right down to the wire. Absolutely love it. And I'm with you. I'm a one bracket kind of guy, you know, and, and, there's nothing worse than whether it's even March Madness or any other type of pool. It could be an NFL pool, but you get in the pool, you pay your money, you get the spreadsheet, and you see that like one guy has like you know forty variations. He's got his aunt in there, his mom, his cousin, all these names on there, and you know he's filling them all out. You know what I mean? He's got his kids. Kids six years old doesn't even know the teams. He's got a kid's got a pool. He's got a thousand entries, so he's got like sixty percent of the equity in the pool, and it just kind of takes the the fun out of it, right? Like, I like to have one bracket. I know what to root for. I go through it. You know, if you want to do two, okay, you know, that's fine. But I, I, I don't never understood the, hey, let's fill out, a, you know, a thousand different brackets just so we can, you know, gobble up the market share in the pool so we have a better chance of winning. Completely agree with you. Those people are, are the worst. Also, again, the people that fill out multiple brackets and then brag about, like, getting upsets right when they got <laughs> the it right on three right. of their brackets – but the other 17, they didn't get it right, you know? And they're like, oh, I yeah. had FDU over Purdue. I called that one the worst. Yeah, it's the same guy that, uh, you know, does victory laps all over social media because they got a futures right, but they don't show the 16 losing future tickets that they fired on that they probably ended up, you know, in the negative overall. But they're showing the one ticket like, hey, this is the one that won. You know, it's like plus 400. And you know the guy filled out, you know, had a, 10 other bets in on 10 other guys that went sideways completely agree do you have any success uh in brackets like if you ever won a bracket pool have you ever come close at all um have you ever gotten like three of the four final four teams correct have you ever done that good i don't know and you know why because i don't i never take like the chalk teams like i'm always trying to like find like some of the underdogs like to me it's more fun like even if you don't win the bracket it's more fun to get like the final four team that nobody expects. Right. You know, like, like that sort of thing. So I'm hunting for that. I go too heavy on the underdogs. It ends up biting me because then, you know, once they go out, it kind of ruins the whole thing, but I'm doing it more for fun. Like I said, you know, it's, yeah. it's fun. It's March madness. Uh, you know, the bets are a different story. You know, we can win money on the bets, but the pool is more fun. I love it. Mark, I'll tell you the team that you should stay away from this year. That's going to be very popular because again, they're a blue, but uh, blue blood, Big brand name, won the championship a couple of years ago. I cannot wait to fade them in the tournament. And that's Kansas at 18 to 1. I mm. think Kansas stinks. I, was I really do. Them. 
I, Mark, yeah. I am not a fan at all. I think they're terrible. Um, now, if Kansas got to play the NCAA tournament at Allen Fog House, that'd be a different story. And I think they're very, very good. Mm -hmm. But when they go away from the fog, they're a different team. They don't have depth. Um, they can't really shoot. I, I just, I don't like them at all. Like, I understand they beat Houston at home and they looked great, but... You know, it's like, again, McCullough was banged up. They go on the road, play Texas Tech, lose that game. They lost at West Virginia. They have lost at UCF. They were the number one team in the country heading into the season. They picked up Dickinson on paper. Their starting five looked like it'd be amazing. But uh, I'm telling you, a bunch of people will have Kansas in like their Elite Eight Final Four because they're Kansas and they're going to be a one seed and they're a big name. But if they draw like a tough 8-9 matchup, like if they're the one seed in that FAU Memphis mm -hmm. kind of game, they're going down. Somebody's going to pick them off. So uh, that would be my team to advise people to stay away from is the Jayhawks. I uh, am looking very much to fading them in the tournament. I love it. So when we look at the odds boards, like right around them, you have Auburn, you have Kansas, you have Alabama, Kentucky after that. We know Kentucky's got no shot. They're not even in the same tier, I feel like. Um, so no. do you think out of those three teams, you like Auburn the best more than Bama? I do. Yeah, I mm -hmm. do. I do. I would like Bama, Mark, if they played defense, but they just don't. And I watched them early in the season when they went out of the non-conference and they played the Purdue's, the Arizona's, the Creighton's of the world. It's the same story every single game. Their offense is elite. Yeah. They can score on everybody, but they just don't have any size. What killed them this year is is like they knew they were going to lose Brandon Miller. They knew they were going to lose Clowney and Quinterly and all these guys were going to go. The one player that really hurt them was when they lost Charles Bediaco, their seven-foot center, because I really think mm -hmm. Oates thought that he was going to come back. Like he didn't recruit any any seven-foot centers. He didn't try and go out in the portal and get anybody. Like he thought Bediaco was going to be his anchor in the middle, and they just have nobody to replace them. Like, they try and have Grant Nelson, who's like 6'8", guard some of these guys, and he's just got no shot. Nick Pringle, who's their big man, has been in the doghouse with Oates all season. So they just don't have much size. They can't defend the interior. They can't defend big man at all. And whenever they go up against great teams with good big man, when they went up against Purdue with Edie, or when they went up against Arizona with Balo, all of their big men fall, foul out. Like, all three of them foul out every single time. So that's that's my mm -hmm. concern. They can score on anybody without a question. The offense yeah. is good enough. But defensively, they're just – when they go up against good teams, they're not going to be able to get stopped. So by default, it would probably be Auburn of the three teams, even though I really don't like, don't like any them. of them, to be honest with you. Yeah, Auburn, the more and more I'm kind of cooling off on them. I really liked them earlier, but uh, I'm not as high on them. Um, as I am right now, Tennessee would probably be the cutoff with me. If you're looking at teams to win it all, Tennessee's at 14 to one, that would be the cutoff. Mm -hmm. And then again, Michigan state at 40 to one would be a team that I would take a shot with. And then I think maybe Duke or uh, Marquette would be a team that I would look at as well. Those would kind of be the teams maybe in that range that I would give a shot at. Yeah, I think Marquette's going to be really interesting, you know, just because of what we saw out of them last year, like finally able to win a couple games. And, you know, I I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that they could they could do some damage in there. It's, it's going to be fun to see, like, how it plays out. When you look at Arizona sitting there at 12-1, to 1, PJ, you know, you said Tennessee is the cutoff. 
How comfortable are you with them? I don't like Arizona either, Mark. Uh, you know, again, they played a really tough non-conference schedule. We were talking about it with Kevin, and they beat a lot of good teams. On paper, they got everything you want. Caleb Love, Kylan Boswell, great backcourt. Mm -hmm. Pella Larson, defensive stopper. Follows good big man down low. It's just like an it factor to me. It's just like when I watch him play, there's just like there's something missing with Arizona. There's something mm -hmm. missing. And I know it's not supposed to matter, but like for me, it does. The fact that Tommy Lloyd coached for so long with Mark Few, and Mark Few hasn't been able to win in the tournament, right? And he struggled a lot mm -hmm. early on in his career. So I think Tommy Lloyd's going through some of what Mark Few went through, where you got these great teams that could do great things in the regular season, but as a head coach, you kind of got to learn how to win in March. That's why he's never gotten past the Sweet 16. We'll talk a little more college hoops when we come back, dive into some NBA as well. You better, you bet, presented by BetMGM.